0: This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show.
1: This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host Jamie Wood. Our topic today how to sell an idea. So, why this one? Well, one of the primary responsibilities of a media salesperson is to bring fresh creative thinking to our clients and our agency partners. Theoretically, a media solution that is underpinned by a great creative idea will actually generate a stronger outcome for the advertiser and will therefore help the media salesperson create a much stronger value proposition as well. Although we can all kind of I guess, identify or recognize a good idea when we see one. The ability to actually sell a creative idea to an advertiser is its own unique skill set. It takes time, it takes patience to master it. Many great ideas in my career over 11 years in media sales, many great ideas have been left unrealized due to a disconnect in the way that they are actually sold into an advertiser. Our guest today is Wade Kingsley, founder and CEO of The Ideas Business. Now, Wade founded The Ideas Business with the core purpose of wanting to create more creators. His belief, which I share, is that creativity is not the domain of a few creative people that were born gifted to be able to come up with ideas, but it's actually a skill set that everybody has inherently inside them. The key is actually how to unlock creative potential for individuals and for teams success. Wade's passion for the creative process, combined with 25 years experience across media, marketing, branding, sales, delivers a really unique skill set that you can tap into to grow your creative competency. Now, I actually saw Wade deliver an amazing keynote last year at a conference, an industry conference. I can't think of anyone better to speak on this topic. So we're very lucky to have him. And this is going to be a great episode.
0: The first five.
1: Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks,
2: Jamie. Thanks for having me.
1: Mate, great to have you here, and um, thanks for making the time. Uh, Before we actually jump into the main topic, obviously I know who you are, I'd love for you to share with the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and what prompted you to actually found the ideas business?
2: Uh, Well, I appreciate the opportunity, because I do love talking about ideas, so it's something you don't have to ask twice, that's for sure. Uh, Well, My background is media uh, and marketing, and has been um, pretty much since I was, believe it or not, 10 because I started a radio station at school when I was 10. Um, went to school in Adelaide and was always fascinated by radio. I was always interested and I felt like the people who were on the radio were kind of making it up as they went along. They were kind of creating ideas on the spot and there was something about that I liked. I, I knew media was for me, but radio in particular is where I started and I was absolutely the luckiest guy on earth because I got my first radio job in my hometown of Adelaide. I didn't have to do the a country kind of journey that a lot of people in radio have to do. Um, also realised I probably didn't have the great radio voice uh, and probably not as essential these days, but it still was back then. And I really liked the idea of helping people behind the scenes. You know, so I was a, a show producer um, and then went into programming and I was lucky enough to to join. The first station was 5AA, a talk station in Adelaide. And I... Um, it was just taken over by DMG, which went on to start the Nova Network. So I was absolutely right place, right time. Um, very lucky to kickstart my career. And by the age of 25, I was a programmer in in regional markets across Australia. I worked in Townsville, Albury, Sunshine Coast, and then started at Nova Brisbane as the promotions and marketing director, which is actually probably where I got my interest in sales. I was never one of those radio programmers that kind of hated sales and avoided sales. I was Always interested in um, using ideas to be able to generate money for the business. That's what we were there to do, have fun doing it, but to get get ratings and get revenue. So I was always interested in um, helping the sales guys out. And, and interestingly enough, my sort of 15 years in total at Nova, half were on the programming side and half were on the sales side. Um, so I got, I got a reasonable taste, I think, for both. And then when I eventually left Nova, I actually went to a media agency uh, in Melbourne called Visium. And that's when some dots started to join in my head about creativity, commercial creativity, selling ideas, how ideas can really, you know, convince consumers to do things. And then by the time I got into Southern Cross Stereo in 2015, I think I was a bit more well-rounded. I kind of understood uh, more from the content background and the radio side, but I also understood what brands were trying to achieve by using radio and using the media and, um, yeah, that kind of helped me kind of get into starting my own business, which I did in 2017.
1: That's awesome. I didn't know you were an Adelaide boy. I actually lived in Adelaide for a couple of years uh, working as a sales director down there. And it really is like, for the radio industry, it's like the heartbeat of Australian radio. I, I didn't realize a couple of major networks started down there, a whole bunch of talent are from there, a whole bunch of, uh, of people that are sort of now in very high-profile media gigs all, all either did a tour of duty or, or came from there. So, yeah, there you
2: go. Absolutely. I think Adelaide's sort of one of those cities too that it's big enough and small enough. You know, you're not in the cutthroat world of Sydney, Melbourne, even Brisbane these days, but you know, there's enough, uh, it's a it's a metro market, but there's enough room to experiment. There's enough room to uh, enjoy. And Adelaide's had a great radio heritage. You know, there's some great radio stations like SAFM back in the day. And obviously Paul Thompson starting Austereo and basing at Adelaide and then The same with DMG Nova was, you know, started and based in Adelaide. So we're very fortunate that Paul Paul was a fan of living in Adelaide. That benefited a lot of people's careers.
1: Well, it brings us to sort of the topic today of creativity and how to sell an idea. And I used to love all the people from Adelaide would would say this famous, if it works in Adelaide, it'll work anywhere, (laughs) uh, was the expression they used. That's right. (laughs) So... You know, the context of of a creative idea, and I've spent a bit of time trying to put some definition around it because it can be very broad to go to a sales team or to a media sales team and go, you need to be more creative. But to me, I reckon it's landed pretty well with this idea of finding a solution to a problem that is functional and novel. From your perspective, I guess having a fairly broad experience working, you know, publisher, working sales, working agency, working in creative departments, I just would love to know what your definition of a creative ideas are in the media and the media sales space. Well, it's it's absolutely true to say
2: you know you could ask a hundred people and you'd probably get a hundred different answers around how to define an idea. Um, and look, there's real no no right or wrong answer. I think it's it's more about interpretation. And look, creativity and ideas are absolutely about interpretation because what I think is a great idea, you might think is a terrible idea, and vice versa. Um, and part of that's what makes it interesting, I think. But for me, the, the definition of a an idea in the media space really is a is a solution within a campaign structure. You know, it's a solution to a problem, uh, a problem that the business is having, um, a problem that the brand is having. And you need to convince a consumer to think, feel, or do something, take some sort of action. um, and, And a campaign idea or a campaign solution delivers on that. And, you know, look, I think one of the things I think about ideas in the media space is we probably don't give it the emphasis that it deserves. We we kind of lean on the inventory of advertising a little heavily. I mean, yeah, you know, everyone pretty much gets that advertising. You know, is a is a, a form of communication. Everyone gets that there's inventory such as thirty second radio spots, thirty second TV spots, digital placement, etc. Um, and so I think when you kind of then thinking about defining an idea. I like what you've said about that sort of functional and novel. It has to it has to be functional in the sense that the idea is going to solve a problem for the business and novel in the sense that it's it's um, presenting itself as a different interpretation or a, a different way of communicating um, a, um, a reason for that consumer to take action to help the business solve the problem.
1: I love it. Well, look, that's an awesome, awesome setup for the main topic. So let's jump in now.
0: Media Sales Mastery
1: Selling an idea. Now, obviously, you know, there's more stakeholders involved in getting an idea up than just the end user, the advertiser we're selling to. Mm. So let's maybe look at it broadly. But what in your experience and your observation, what are some of the most common barriers to effectively selling an idea or conveying a concept to somebody to get buy-in and understanding?
2: Well, I think one of the first barriers, and we sort of do a bit of this work in our business in our in our training sessions, is when you think about what an idea actually is, if you're selling it, if you're sitting in front of someone and saying, right, I've got an idea or we've got an idea or oh, this is how we're going to solve the problem, what you have to kind of accept in that dynamic is, is an idea really is a transferal of belief. You're, you believe something. You're sitting there going, okay, well, we've been given the brief. We understand the, the challenge or we understand the strategy and, and this is what we believe will solve the problem. This idea will solve that problem or this campaign solution will solve the problem. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to transfer the belief that you have in that idea to the person who has to make the decision, whether that be the agency or the client, Uh, you're the one who has to go, we believe it, we want you to believe it too. And what I tend to find is a barrier to doing that effectively is when you're selling rationally it's very easy for people to argue ration against rationale. You know, if you've got if you've got a campaign schedule, if you've got an advertising schedule, you kind of got the, the amount of spots, you kind of know the reach, the frequency, all that kind of stuff. They're they're kind of numbers that you can argue against. But what is harder to argue uh, against if you're selling an idea is the emotion. You know, if you pitch if you're pitching to someone rationally, they can kind of defend it. If you're pitching to someone emotionally, and you're making them feel something with your idea that's always a good place to start. And and some of the sort of the techniques we do in our story selling workshops is talk about how to sell emotionally. You, you're appealing. You're, at the end of the day, most of us are selling to a human, right? You, you know, you, you've got an idea, you're trying to get someone else with a heartbeat who's breathing oxygen uh, to go along with it. Um, and so what you need to do is remember that you are a human, you've, you've got emotions and you're trying to transfer the belief That idea to someone else. So you appeal to them emotionally. You've got to try and um, stagger the pitch in a way that uh, appeals to their emotional side before their rational side. You've got to use words and language um, that uh, bring to life the idea in an emotional sense. Um, And remember, emotion can mean feeling anything. It doesn't have to be just overjoyed. It could be, you know, that idea really makes me laugh, that makes me um, cry, that makes me angry, whatever. But you've just got to. Find a way to position the idea in an emotional sense, and try and transfer that that belief. Because a barrier that I've often seen, and I've certainly been in pitches in agencies and and um, with clients where you you kind of you can tell straight away they're not getting it, is it's when most of the time I find the salesperson is starting too rationally, and doesn't come doesn't put across that confidence that they believe the solution is going to work. They're kind of responding to the brief, if you like, rather than responding with a solution to the brief. And, and you can usually tell the difference, I reckon.
1: I would completely agree. And I think the ability to kind of fall back on the assets that you're using and talk about the rational reason as, as to why you're drawing them in, it can become very, very messy very quickly in that sense. That's a really good way of putting it around um, around sort of that emotive language and whatnot. And I suppose what I'm curious is to kind of jump back a step here and go, before we're even at the stage of selling an idea and and really thinking about how we can passionately kind of convey what it is. Let's talk about the starting point, you know, the brief. How do we actually define the parameters for our creativity and mitigate the risk of like just completely missing the mark at the point of pitching the idea?
2: Well, it's interesting because most of the time that I spent in media, as I said, was at Nova. And um, even though I did work a lot on the sales side and was in market with the sales team and, and started a division there called, which is still going today, called Create Um, which is kind of like their campaign solutions um, team. Um, It wasn't really until I started working agency side that I understood um, where I'd gone wrong for 10 years, if if that makes sense. And what I noticed when I was on the agency side is I could tell with like 99% accuracy when a publisher was coming back into the agency to pitch an idea or even just get the brief, even at the first stages, I could tell who was going to win it. You know, you you could just tell before they'd even given you their solution or given you their rates or anything. You just had a feeling that who came to the brief, for starters, was critical. If it was was only a salesperson, um, you were relying on that salesperson to deliver that information accurately, Back to the rest of the business because we, you know, everyone knows it's not just the salesperson that creates a solution. There's a team, there's content teams, or there's editorial, or there's um, other parts of the business that have to get involved to get to get something back to you as an agency. Um, so I always felt like, you know, if they're only bringing one person to the brief and it's a salesperson, there's a chance they might miss some information. And that's nothing. That's not to say that the salesperson couldn't do that effectively, but more heads, you know, more more ability to ask those questions more people who would ask more lateral thinking questions in a briefing environment was pretty critical. Um, and I think what happens is I tend to find you win or lose a pitch in the brief. You know, if you've got the right people getting it, if it, when it comes back into the business and you're working on a solution that you've got the right heads around the table, you know, if, you, if you're just following the same process every time, you can't really expect different solutions. You've got a you got to assemble a team that sort of fits the brief, if you like. So, okay, well, I want to get that guy because he's worked on, you know, the auto category before, and or, or this guy, you know, used to work at that agency that had that client. So this that person will give us some culture around the agency and how they make decisions, or whatever that might be. You, you just kind of want to assemble a fit-for-purpose team, and um, I think that when you've got the brief, sometimes it's not the information that's in the brief because usually that's pretty stock standard. You know, demo, budget, KPIs, all the things that pretty much in every brief, particularly from an agency. It's about how you take it and how you start to work on it when it when you get back into the creative space,
1: back in your business. Such a good point, Wade. Because I think one of the things you know we talk about is like casting the brainstorm. And I've always wondered whether actually it really should be casting the briefing session because there are people oh, yeah. there that are going to be observers, people there that are just going to summarize differently. And to your point, the ability to ask really provocative questions from a lateral thinking standpoint, you can almost differentiate your solution based on the fact that you've uncovered completely different information from your competitors. So That's right. It's uh, Yeah, it's a really good... I mean, I guess it kind of naturally flows into the next question I had, which is the not only the fact that there's a lot of stakeholders in generating an idea but there's just a lot of different people you know we talk about the briefing the strategic process arriving at the insight coming up with the concept itself, talking about how we would implement or bring it to life, linking it back to the objectives. like There's a lot involved in the process, and I can see why a lot of media salespeople will go back to the rationalization and talk about why we've, you know, why we've driven this reach and frequency or delivered these kind of audience numbers. Because it's, it's a little bit overwhelming to go, where do I actually start? Um, and and where am I maybe undercooking things? I'm curious to know if if there is a best practice kind of framework for how you might cover all of these off, or is every case truly unique? Is it really about tailoring it to the exact audience you're presenting to?
2: Well, I think framework's a good way to describe it, Jamie, because I think there probably is a best practice framework. Um, You know, a framework meaning... There's some sort of, you know, a, literally a frame that you can um, interpret in different ways. It's not like a set process where, okay, every time we get a brief, it has to go step one, step two, step three. A framework gives you that sort of flexibility. And and to me, I kind of think of those sort of processes in stages. You know, what, what stage are we going to do first? What stage are we going to do next? And what stage are we going to sort of finish up with? Um, and, you know, as I said, back to the sort of the briefing thing, I think, yes, absolutely cast cast the briefing you know I I used to attend briefings with you know like a, an account manager and a, and a sales manager and we would all ask different questions um, and that's great because the the account manager might ask questions that you know sit within his or her area of expertise um, the sales manager might be asking more broader picture questions around the category or other clients and I would be saying things like so with this client, you know, why is their logo blue? Um, and you look at it and you kind of go, well, it's got nothing to do with the response. But for me, in a creative mindset, it does because there may be some yeah. advantage I've got um, over a competitor who's also taking the brief. Um, it's 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 one of the things we kind of work on is, is asking what we call the next 10 questions. The first 10 questions are going to be the question that every salesperson to every client is going to ask. What's your demo? What's your budget? What's the campaign timing? Blah, 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 blah. And they're all important pieces of information. But the next 10 questions are where you can be really unique and you could pick up a piece of information that you know the agency or the client is going to go, oh, gee, I hadn't actually thought about that. Or, you know, that's a good question. And then, you know, you've got a piece of unique information that when you're creating your solution could provide the difference because you've taken the time to ask the right question at the start. And... um, uh, so that that's kind of probably stage one. Stage two is then when you're working on the solution development, again, putting together that team, um, getting the right expertise in the room. I often find this is the best time to bring in editorial or programming because what tends to happen, you know, and and the, the, from my radio experience, the programming guys hate this, is when they're pretty much boxed into, you know, a, they, they haven't been in the room when the solution's been developed. They just kind of have to be that last kind of checkpoint to go, look, we want to present this idea to Coke. Are you... Can you say yes or no? And, you know, gun to the head style never works, I find, with editorial programming people. They need to have some early buy-in, which means getting involved in the solution creation. So that kind of casting that area. And then I think the third stage is then is, is actually structuring the pitch. Um, and the pitch becomes quite critical in, in how it's delivered. And one of the great frameworks that we had um, at Southern Cross Osterio, actually, when we, we created the studio, which is their campaign um, solutions team... Uh, we had a, a, a great group of people, they're really smart people, who put together a framework that we called CASE. And CASE, C-A-S-E, CASE stood for Challenge, Approach, Solution, Execution. And what we would do is we would, we would go to market and say, okay, the challenge, this is the challenge you asked us to do. You asked us, um, McDonald's, to help launch this new burger. That was the challenge. Our approach to doing that was to use our um, A-grade talent who can become in, uh, endorsement uh, endorsers of this um, new burger um, through personal experience? Our solution is this campaign idea called, um, you know, Tommy Little loves Big Macs, whatever. And our execution is, you know, live reads and um, in-store appearances and whatever, whatever. whatever. And so to to map that out as the challenge first, then the approach, then the solution execution, the key step I found made a huge difference was that approach. Because if you go straight from, here was the brief and here's our idea, what you're not really allowing the client or the agency to do is buy in enough that they might buy into your approach. So they go, okay, great. So your idea to help sell this new burger is, is using talent. Great. We like that idea. If they then if you then cut to the solution and they don't like Tommy little for some reason or Tommy's not available because he's just done a deal with hungry Jacks that you didn't know about because of course those things always happen <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is that you've got you've got the approach that stands true okay using talent is still the right approach to, to deliver on the challenge but the solution and execution can change the timing can change and 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 the kind of solution so that's kind of the best sort of pitching framework that I, I think I um, I was involved in developing at, at SCA was this kind of case mentality. It's like put the best case forward, challenge, approach, solution, execution.
1: I really like that. I mean, what I like about it too is that you're not just talking about reverse engineering the way you pitch an idea in. It's actually embedded into the process that you arrive at the idea in terms of how you actually generate it. And I think that's often where we probably come a bit unstuck sometimes is and this is across all media, I mean, the one consistent thing that comes back from a lot of media salespeople is the assets we're selling across are getting more diverse, more complex. We're expected to know more. We're expected to sell across more, it's more, um, probably areas than ever before. And therefore, there's this real complexity that starts to come into how we build these campaign schedules. And oftentimes, I think a lot of media salespeople get quite I guess, concerned about not relaying that level of detail when they're actually pitching a solution and going, hey, look, we're using this, we're using this, we're using this. So bring it back to something simple like that and something really tangible. I would imagine from your experience, that almost gives the the client or the agency that's buying the idea, it gives them assurance that the thinking's already been done, but we don't need to go into the minutiae here. We just need to talk about the big those four big pillars to actually how we've arrived at this solution. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent correct. And I think what that also acknowledges is, you know, if I think if I've sat in 10,000 briefs and 10,000 pitches over my time in media, I can't think of one time, one time where the solution that you pitched ends up actually being executed a hundred percent. It's the same way because things change. Things always change along the way. So the camp, the client moves the timing of the campaign, which affects this sort of change. Or um, an ambassador you thought was good to go is now not good to go. Or um, the objectives of the client have changed. Oh, whoops, we thought we were selling Big Macs. Uh, we now need to sell fillet of fish. So, um, you know, and so what you, and I'm getting hungry saying that. And so what you need to do hmm. is you need to have acknowledged that there will be from the, the point of pitch to the point of actual campaign execution and completion, it will be different in some way. And what having a, a, a sort of a framework does is it allows you to keep the integrity of the approach to how you're going about solving that problem for the client, um, and you've got the integrity of the solution. But the execution might might vary. You know, you might... The, mm. the, the budget might get cut or, you know, in Corona times, things change on a daily basis. So you don't want to get locked in. And, and the lock-in is sometimes where you then get that tension back with the client to the publisher of around, oh, well, you know, you sold it this way and it's changed. Well, yeah, that's because things do change. Like acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and find a way to, to have a flexible idea. Don't get stuck in, oh, but you said there'd be, you know, uh, a digital placement that went live at 8.59am on Monday the 13th. Well, things change.
1: Things are ever changing. To me, that's why this over reliance on inventory and deployment and implementation in the cell can be real. You can really come unstuck if that's what you're leading with, because then suddenly that's your currency. You're trading on is your ability to execute at eight fifty nine a.m. on a Wednesday morning. I think it probably leads into the last question on this topic, mate, which is is all around. The, the idea generation process. And obviously, the people who listen to this podcast sell across all all different media. We've even got people from different parts of the world, which is amazing. But they all consistently raise this one. And I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. They go, we're in the room. Okay, we get that we don't want to lead with product or platform. First, we need to come up with an idea. Maybe we've got a great headline on a whiteboard that everyone's high-fiving and laughing in the room and thinking it's great, but nobody's actually thought about how we bring it to life or implement or execute the idea. Have you got any any sort of the tools the guys could use to properly kind of blow out or expand an idea from a headline on a whiteboard to something more campaignable?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and again, this is just, you know, my 20 something years of experience. I think, you know, plenty of times I've done it the wrong way and it hasn't worked. And and hopefully, you know, like everything you do for a long time, you kind of work out what what flies and what doesn't. Um, A couple of principles I, I think I would take out. One is I tend to find that sometimes people are really, really keen just to sell what the result is. So the result being, you asked us. You know, this is the challenge you asked us to come up with. Here's the here's the idea. Let's go. Um, and what they miss is the opportunity to sell the story of how the idea was created. Um, and if you're if you're sitting down and you're going right, we're gonna we're gonna go in tomorrow. We're gonna see um, the guys from McDonald's and we're gonna tell them about this idea. Don't just go straight to here's the idea. What you want to do is go, okay, you know, we saw you a couple of weeks ago. Here's the brief you gave us. This is the kind of the challenge, and this is how this is how we went about solving that problem in our business. We first spoke to you know the content team. We asked some ideas, and we had this idea and that idea. We didn't go with those, but this is the kind of the one we've landed on, and here's why. We then spoke to the insights team to get some data, and that's kind of you know married up to where we were going creatively. Um, we then put together a great platform to amplify that idea across this pe- these pieces. of Imagery, etc. Take people on the journey with you. Don't don't just feel like you have to go straight in. And even if you, I've seen this work really effectively, even if you've only got twenty minutes to pitch, you can still take a minute to say, you know, from the last time we saw you, this is what's happened. This is what we've been doing in our business. One it actually demonstrates the level of effort and care that a date takes to put together an idea or, or a media solution because it takes a heap of effort. Um, and sometimes it's it's actually pretty good to acknowledge that that everyone's worked really hard to get to this point. Another thing is it again it gives people that emotional buy-in. They're less likely to say no uh, on a, on a on a on a storytelling aspect than if you just subjectively go well this is their idea they're going to go well we like it or we don't. But you're gonna you're gonna bring them along the journey with you. It's really really critical. So I often tell people just to sell the journey. The other thing is, um, you know that that notion of having it from a headline on a whiteboard to a full campaign, you've got to actually sell the campaign as a journey as well. So rather than just here's our idea and here's how it's gonna roll, you, you you introduce some of the storytelling language. You know, think of it in that framework of you know once upon a time this happened and then this happened and as a result that happened and happily ever after. You want to start with, here's how we're going to launch the campaign. Here's here's where the idea starts. Here's where we get into phase one of the idea and when it, when it starts to go. Here's phase two, and this is what changes and why. And we're going to round it out with phase three, and this is why we think that's most effective. And then combined all of those pieces together is the campaign solution. It's really about story selling. It really is. It's not just the idea you're selling. It's the journey that they're going on to get that idea up. And um, and I think one of my favourite um, stories about pitching ideas, which I'll share, is is one that I, I read in a, uh, ages ago in a great book called Made to Stick, um, which is still my favourite uh, book on ideas I think I've ever read. Um, it's by a couple of American guys called Chip and Dan Heath. Um, and Made to Stick is just one of those books about why some ideas work and some don't. And they give this great story about the producers of the movie Speed, you know, the Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves movie. Um, from I think late 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And no, they... 90, 90, 92, I think. it
1: was. 92 92. It was uh... Ah,
2: okay. Well,
1: when, it, when, the, when oh, the... I'm showing off my nerdiness here. Sorry, <laughs> continue, continue. It's right. not relevant really. <laughs>
2: no, that's okay. Um, and the way the producers pitch that movie to speed is kind of like the gold medal of pitches. So what happens is for the Hollywood studio system, for those that don't know, is you know producers... Or production companies come up with a concept and they need someone to pay for it. So they go into a studio and they say, right, studio, we've got this idea for a movie. You know, we want you to fund it. And so the producers of Speed walk into the studio and say, right, we've got this idea for a movie. And the studio goes, great. What's it called? And they said, well, it's Speed. Okay. And what's it about? And the producers said five words. And the five words got them $30 million at the time to make the movie. And the five words were, die hard on a bus. Which I just thought was brilliant because they've summed up the movie in five words and they've pitched it correctly. They've basically said to the people, this is like Die Hard, which obviously was a huge box office hit at the time. It's like something you know, but here's the thing that's novel. Here's the thing that's it's it's different. And, you know, you had said at the start that functional and novel, that's exactly what Die Hard on a Bus is. Functional as in... Die Hard, box office smash, smash, you know what that movie's about, big action, baddies, whatever. But the novel part is we're going to put it on a bus. And, and they didn't have to say any more. They didn't have to go into the 55 miles an hour and Dennis Hopper and the bus blows up. Of course, that's all a great part of the story. But the pitch itself was something that they went, wow, we, we love that. They, they sold to them emotionally. They got them bought in right from the get-go. And I think that you know when you're pitching an idea, if you cannot sum it up, in a sentence. I mean, five word is is pretty bloody good. But if you can't sum it up in one sentence, then you really need to work harder at, at pitching it because you know, whoever you're pitching it to has to go and tell other people. If it's the agency, they have to go and tell the client. If And that client then has to go and tell five other people that work in the business. And that person has to go to the CEO and the head of legal and whatever. You want to give them that diehard on a bus so they can actually go you know what? We we love that idea that you guys presented, uh, and we remember it's called this, and it does that. That that that's if you can't do it that succinctly, you've got to work harder at making it succinct and and making it as sellable as that.
1: That's awesome. You know, there's a whole there's literally a whole industry in Hollywood and I'm sure the job title is called Logline Writer, and that is literally all they do. Yeah, They find a way to take a script and write a, a quick pitch. It, I think the one that I heard that I loved was um, they got approval on uh, Talladega Nights by walking in and doing the same thing. They said it was uh, Will Farrell as a NASCAR driver, and it was literally the check got written in the room, and off, <laughs> off right. they went to write the script.
2: <laughs> but that's that's how simple you can see it, you know, and, and, and let's not be, you know, movie um, snobs here. The, movies like Sharknado have got made because someone went in and said... <laughs> Let's put sharks on a tornado. But as, <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, is it's so clear. It's clear what the idea is. It's clear like snakes on a plane. It's clear what the movie's about. It's clear what the idea is. And you've got to work really, really hard. And that's where you've got to spend a lot of that sort of creative energy before you pitch an idea back is you've got to try and go, right, and, and this applies equally from publisher to agency as it does from agency to client and, and from a marketer to a CEO, you need to be able to deliver that pitch really succinctly, really easily, and really memorably. And I, I equate it to like a the hook of a great song. You know, you might not have heard um, Easy Lover by Phil Collins for 15 years, right? But you hear it on the radio and you can remember every lyric. And you think, why can't I do that? It's because the hook is so good that it unpicks the rest of the story. It unpicks the rest of the song because you've remembered the hook. The hook is catchy, the hook that drives it. And with with pitching ideas or selling ideas, you need to write a killer hook. The killer hook will absolutely sell the idea for you. You need to spend way more time getting that hook right and let, and let the execution and the platforms and the inventory come later. Because if they've bought the hook, they'll buy
0: the song.
1: Wow. There's a great parallel, pop songwriting and idea generation. Absolutely. I love it, mate. <laughs>
0: I can't ask my sales manager that.
1: So we're going to do a first. We're all about innovation here. Here's this. Oh, here's a, here's an idea for you, Wade. Instead of doing one, I can't ask my sales manager that questions. I've got two for you.
2: Wow, so double. We're love uh, it.
1: We're all about all about pushing the boundaries here. This one, look, both of these I really like um, and wanted to save for you specifically because they're not really actually. They're more internally focused than anything, um, which I think is an important part of the creative process and the pitching process. And you've mentioned it even earlier, like how critical it is to get buy-in early from the right stakeholders. So this person, uh, they're a digital account manager. And the question is this, I sell digital media into large agencies and key clients. We have a lot of demand for native content, client editorial, short form video content. But one thing that is infuriating, which my manager also seems to be struggling with, is presenting our concepts to a room of people who don't seem to be on the same page. If we present to a room of five people, for example, chances are that three will love it and two will be completely offside. We end up having to defend our concepts or we get a rebrief or a watered-down version Mm. of the original idea. Can you set... Up the proposal or the room in a way that avoids death by committee. What a great phrase at the end there death by committee of an idea. (laughs) Oh,
2: committees kill a lot of things, and ideas are definitely one of the things they kill off. Look, I think that, you know, obviously the more the hard part about creativity, as we said earlier, is it is subjective, right? You, you, You know, an idea you can put a lot of, a lot of, um, rigour behind, you can put data behind, you can put a lot of merit behind. But the reality is you, you you give it to 100 people and 50 might like it and 50 don't and who's right and who's wrong. And, and it's such a subjective thing as, as any art is. Uh, it, its beauty is in its subjectivity. So you kind of have to not fight the system in a little bit of a way. But for for this to answer this question, I think you've got to get practical. And the, the practicality of if you've got a lot of people in the room is you have to start with a place. And this is kind of what I would call sort of negotiation training because you kind of also forget that, you know, earlier when I said that transfer of belief, you're trying to negotiate with someone. You're trying to say, I believe it. I want you to, I want you to, I want to negotiate so you agree with me. The negotiation kind of technique that I would use in pitching an idea is you have to start with the least subjective thing before you get to the most subjective thing. So let's say you come in and say to me, you know, I've got this idea, Wade. um, It's called Media Sales Mastery Podcast. It's a podcast um, where everyone recording it is naked. Right. So I would go, okay, well, I don't know how comfortable I feel about being naked because that's the thing I've remembered you saying, as opposed to the idea of the podcast, because the emotional attachment to being naked outweighs the rational attachment to the benefit of the podcast. So I wouldn't go in and pitch the naked bit up front because. There's a chance that, in in this example, room of five people, three will think it's a good idea and two won't. What you want to be able to do is leave that detail until after you've got some agreement on the concept to start with. So if you're pitching to five people and you say, we've got an idea for a podcast, that's the first place to start. And good thing is podcast equals good equals growth in 2020. So you'd think that five out of five would go, okay, podcast, good. We like that. That's, That's trending. There's audience moving to podcasts. Let's go with that. The next thing you'd bring in is you'd bring in, okay, it's about media sales. Okay, good. Yep, that's that's got a five out of five or a four out of five in the room. The next thing you do is go, well, it's about sales mastery. So you're sort of stepping it out. And then you leave the bit about everyone being naked to the end. Because again, like we were saying before, if if I disagree with the the naked bidder, I don't like that, but I've bought into 80% of what you've told me, we can change the 20%. You know, if they're split in the room and three people don't like the naked bit and two people do, then you might go, listen, unless we can all agree, let's leave the naked bit aside. But the Media Sales Mastery podcast, that idea stands. And you've got it across the line. And I think what tends to happen is when you've got these kind of death by committee on creativity is because you're giving them too much. You're basically serving up the whole main course for them to decide which parts of the meal they like or don't. You've got to put little things on the plate that they like. You're the most sure they'll like meat, right, good, you're the next most sure they'll like potatoes, good, but you're going to leave the Brussels sprouts to the end because they're the most subjective. That, that That's the bit that people are going to go, well, I'm not sure about that. But at the end of the day, you might not get the Brussels sprouts over the line, but you know the meat and potatoes of, of the pitch have been uh, maintained. Because you never, it's unlikely you're going to get 100% of people agreeing, but you, what you want to get is you want to get 100% of the people agreeing with 80% of what you pitch. That That's kind of got to be the aim. And so I'd say to that person who, who sent in the question, don't don't give up on the fact that, um, yes, it is always going to be a struggle, but don't give up on the fact that you're going to get everyone to um, agree. You probably won't, but you want them to agree with the, the majority of what you're pitching. So order your brief, order your pitch, put it in in a structure where you're you know, uh, getting people to agree upfront with things that are universally agreed to. And, and, you know, classic negotiation technique is, you know, you can say, okay, Jamie, what year are we in? 2020. Yep. I agree with that. Um, you know, the day of the week is Wednesday. Yep. I agree with that. Um, you know, the color of the sky is blue. Yep. I agree with that. But I'm going to wear pants today and you go, well, I'm going to wear shorts, but we've agreed on 75% and that that's what you
1: want to start with. I love that. I mean, very similar to it. Very similar to negotiation. You know, leave your contentious points to the end and figure out the things that are easily agreed to. Yeah. Next question, Wade comes from Jono. Jono said he's a friend of the show. Thanks, Jono. Oh, good. Good on you, mate. Hi, Jono. So here we go. This one I like. Uh, he starts with selling ideas to clients isn't necessarily the hard part right now. Where I'm struggling is selling ideas that clients come up with back to content or editorial. Oh, God, I'm getting heart palpitations here in this one. Um, (laughs) I have a lot of clients who know what kind of promotional ideas they want us to run. And usually, they'll give us an ultimatum. If you're willing to do this concept, we'll make an investment with you. I feel like this is just COVID. COVID is really amping this up too. Mm, Absolutely. Is there any advice Wade has, because he knew you were on the show, is there any advice Wade has for selling the ideas we generate at a client meeting back to people in the business in a way that gets their buy-in?
2: Well, the first thing I'd say, Jono, is this is absolutely one hundred percent the reason why I have no hair left. Because uh, <laughs> de- trying to trying to get programmers, and I say this as a recovering former radio programmer, um, is trying to get them to come up to agree to an idea that's pitched from a client is nigh on impossible. So, I, the best I can give you is some techniques that I learned in my time trying to get editorial or content to agree to a client based idea. The first thing is to accept that. There's a 99.99% chance that the idea that the client has come up with isn't going to be as good as something that your editorial or content team have come up with. No matter how great they are, you tend to find that they just don't have the experience to to create um, an absolute cracker. Now, what they will have is potentially the you know the makings of something. They might have a you look if you you know the gun to the head. If you put this idea to air exactly the way we want it, we'll give you the money. You want to again look into the idea and go, what's the core of it? You know, yes, it's it's trying to do a, a talkback topic on the radio that is about the brand. Well, they've sort of got that bit right, but we would sort of never do that. Then when you want to go to editorial or content to say, listen, this is what we want to do. The worst thing to do is put the gun to the head of the editorial person. You don't want to say you have to buy, We have to, you have to say yes to this or we lose the money because no one wins in that equation. Um, the programmer might say yes, but he'll hate you for life or he'll say no and he wins and you get nowhere. What you want to remember is in business, if you're in business, you're selling something to someone every minute of every day. And as a salesperson, you're selling something to editorial. So what do you do when you're selling something to someone? What's in it for them? Why should they say yes to this? What's the psychology of the sale to that person, the internal sale? You've got to you got to find a way to get them involved in not only the decision making, but the creating of a solution. So I'm I always was an advocate of being really authentic. So you go in and say, hey, listen, we've got a really big problem. This client has said to us, you've got to do it this way or you don't get the money. Now we know we don't operate like that, so I'm not going to put that to you, I'm not going to give you that problem to solve. That's my problem as a salesperson to solve. How I need your help is how can we turn this really shit idea from them into a good idea that that you've come up with. Help me be part of the solution. What what would you change about this idea so I can take it back so it's palatable? All of a sudden, and let, let's be honest, people on editorial and programming sides generally have reasonable egos. You're appealing to the ego. You want them to be able to say they're the solution. They're going to be the savior and you're asking them for their help. They will give you their help if you ask them for them. And then you want them, you want to be authentic in that part and you want them to go, okay, well, here's what I would do, the solution. So again, as a salesperson, when you're taking that back out to the client or the agency, you're saying, listen, we've run that up the flagpole with editorial. Um, we tried our best. They don't like these bits of it, but we saw the, the idea behind how you put it together. This is their bits on it. We think it's much better. We're, we're selling that into you. And just, you know, I guess for Jono and others, that the key takeout is just remember any guns to the head never work. Be the person that says, hey, listen, I really need your help. And be the person that understands you have to look at that editorial person or that programmer or whoever it is that controls content and says, you're, you, you're good at this. Uh, and you, you're, when you're pitching to them, you're saying, I've got to think about what's in it for them. And, and don't just say revenue because that, that doesn't fly.
1: Awesome, mate. I don't have a single additional thought to add to that. That is a great summation. Other than to say the best opener for this is always, hey, can I pick your brain uh, about a particular issue I'm having? Excellent. As opposed to, hey, we've got revenue on the table. It oh, doesn't really matter nah. oftentimes to anyone in content. It's it's that whole no. piece around balance the needs of the audience and the advertiser equally.
2: Absolutely. And don't go into it like it's a hostage negotiation because in hostage negotiation, there is a loser. Someone will lose. It'll either be the person with the gun or the hostages or like, don't do it that way. Go in with it with a problem solving mindset. And just remember, if you're in business, you're selling something to someone. So you, at that moment, you are selling something to that editorial person. Use the same psychology you use in the market when you're charming and disarming clients.
1: Yeah, you know, that's such a good insight. And that's one thing I'm just going to call out here. And I'm guilty of it myself, at least early on I was. I love the way that that salespeople can be super charming, diplomatic, <laughs> can really enamor themselves to a client, and then just come into a business and be complete absolute rat Oh, and I just, know. You know, the kind, of, the kind of behavior that you can see. So, hey, look, time to all check ourselves there too, guys. Um, Wade, we've got a couple of minutes left. I'd love if you had one parting thought on how to sell an idea. And then I want to hear more about the ideas business what you guys are doing at the minute and how the audience can engage with you guys further
2: sure well uh, look a parting thought is you know ideas are subjective and as i think I, I mentioned earlier in the episode is there is some there is beauty in the subjectivity it's not for everyone you know some i find that some sellers are really good inventory sellers they know how to negotiate crunch a deal get a good rate they're not the best sellers of ideas L- let them follow those strengths let them follow the way they negotiate and do really well to get revenue in that way the 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 great creative sellers of the idea sellers are the ones that are great at selling belief. They're the ones that kind of go, look, I'm, I really love this. And you know, I tend to find that you know they've either they're the, they're the salespeople that are always hanging around editorial or hanging around the copywriters or they kind of they value ideas from the outset. It means in market they're going to be really really good at selling that passion and you can't really fake that. You know, you can't really be inauthentic about an idea if you're just a really good advertising inventory seller. A solution seller is a problem solver, someone who goes, "I see your problem, I see how we can add value by doing it this way so so know which kind of seller you are know know which kind of environment you are and play to your strengths um, and, and and embrace the the subjectivity of creativity because that that 's absolutely where the magic lies and on the ideas business, yeah, we work with um With lots of different companies, actually, media companies, marketing teams. And and our our belief is pretty simple. It's it's that ideas change the world. So our job is to help people create them. Um, We facilitate idea sessions. um, We do consultations to companies around their idea generation process, um, how they can make that better, um, we run workshops and, and coming up very soon, we're going to launch a new product called The Creative Coach, uh, which is going to be an e-learning program, which anyone who wants to to boost their creative fitness, um, get better at and more fit at being creative, um, can learn our three core strengths of creativity, which are curiosity, the ability to make connections and the courage to to pitch them and, and get them up and running. So thecreativecoach.com is um, where you can go and find out how you can pre-register for our online learning course. Um, theideasbusiness.com has all of our other services. And um, you can also get in touch with me on Twitter at Wade Kingsley or email wade at theideasbusiness.com.
1: I'm going to put all of those different methods of contact in the show notes, guys. So reach out to Wade. Check out some of the content that's already there. It's good stuff. And if you ever get a chance to see Wade do a keynote, I highly encourage you to do that too. At some point, I think we're going to go back to the new normal where we do get to go see you speak in front of a big crowd, Wade. So we look forward to that. Mate, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today, Wade. It's much appreciated.
2: Pleasure, Jamie. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate
0: it you've been listening to media sales mastery the podcast for media sales professionals head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic guide the show and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week